Welcome to God's Love Revealed Podcast. I'm Ellie Caswell, along with Jeff Williamson, and I want to share with you how I went from self-punishment with no true identity to a mutual knowing with Christ and finding an eternal identity in Him. Jeff is a licensed professional counselor with a master's in marriage, family, and child therapy from Fuller Theological Seminary. He has been in practice for over 20 years and specializes in intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy. God has taught him profound spiritual dynamics which have led believers to true freedom. It's our hope to reveal the truth, life, and freedom of God's love manifested through Jesus. Psychological, emotional, and spiritual freedom is possible through the true knowing of Christ. So for today's podcast, I'm just going to start with reading from Scripture, and then I think it will set the tone for our discussion today. So Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 3. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So, amazing story. Um, I think I've read somewhere that scholars think this is Mary of Bethany who did this. But what really stands out to me here is verse 9. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Hmm. You know, I, I can safely say that I don't think I've ever heard a sermon. I haven't. That has ever talked about her. No. In context of the gospel. No. And that's kind of what I want to go through today is that... What a tragedy it is that we have marginalized female and what female means for the image of God. Mm -hmm. Jesus never marginalized female. In fact, here to make this point about this woman pouring the perfume over his head shows so much about what female is in the image of God. And I want to go through that. But Jesus, you know, so many times, you know, he met with the woman at the well. He met, he raised up Mary of Magdala. Um, he healed um, children for women who had lost their children. Um, so many times Jesus is making a point to interact meaningfully f- uh, for females with females. And I want to make the case that there is a really important reason for this that we fail to see in the church. And I know like from my own experience, I have felt that, but I've never really been able to put the exact words to it. Um, the experience of being in church and just not just experiencing it, but actually just kind of seeing it before my eyes. It always felt like the men just wanted to hear their own voice Mm. and under the name of teaching 
And then the women are just to submit to that natural authority that they have in the church. And they aren't actually encouraged to respond directly to what the man is saying. Uh And so they put up like these safeguards. They think they're doing a service to the congregation by putting up these boundaries and these safeguards and like separating man and woman. And I know that you'll get into Uh all of that and why that's not really the image of God. So let's go back to God made them in the Uh, his image, male and female, he made them. My sort of point of view here is that Adam, we could say male, is designed by God to teach. And even, I believe, the father in the beginning gave Adam the lesson to tell Eve that not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because he just told Adam before Eve was even formed. What I believe about female in the image of God is that female is unique in her understanding her comprehension. So when Jesus um, commissions Peter to feed his sheep, that's a teaching sort of idea. What I feel is very unique in a spiritual gifting of female is their understanding. So that creates a dynamic. Male teaches, female understands. And that together makes a dynamic that is the image of God. So you're saying that they both need each other to portray the image of God and not just like working side by side and filling various roles, but actually interacting with each other. That's right. So like, for example, Jesus is walking with the disciples, they're men, and he's walking with them so that he knows that he's going to be going away soon. And he needs them to get up to speed because they're going to be the shepherds kind of once he's gone. But so many times, if you look at the females that were around Jesus, they showed an understanding and comprehension that the disciples didn't grasp. Okay, And that's the significance of this passage to me. Um, the disciples, what do you mean? We don't understand that you're going to cross, Peter. Heaven forbid you go to the cross. What's this woman doing? She's preparing him for his burial. You see, the bride knows. She knows. She comprehends. She understands what he has to do. And what I want to say is that is a unique quality of female, that comprehension, that understanding. And Jesus is um, showing us that just as another kind of thing to ponder. God the Father in the beginning um, in chapter one, you could almost says, say as in teaching, he said, let there be this and let there be that. And then in chapter two, there's formation. So chapter one's got creation. Like, you know, let's say an artist is like, I have something in my mind. I have a painting I want to do, but they haven't really gotten out the paint. Do you notice in chapter two, the pronoun changes from uh, God to Lord God? Mm. I sometimes wonder if that's the Holy Spirit. Mm. God's spirit working in tandem. And I think it's just interesting to note that the Holy Spirit, the pronoun for the Holy Spirit in Hebrew is actually a feminine pronoun. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. And now I know that Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as he, but I just want to put forward just an idea here. Um, God and his spirit are one, you would call them collectively God. You see the imagery? Male and female, and you call them man. So the collective term for the dynamic is male. The collective term for the dynamic, you could say, is God, is a collective term, but you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. People could ask, well, then where does Jesus come in? And just as a picturing, you could think of it as an X. 
Okay, at the top of the X, you have the Father, you have the Holy Spirit. At the bottom of the X, you have Adam and Eve, male and female. Well, the center dot is Jesus Christ, who binds it all together. Mm. If he looks upward, he's fully divine. He's in the Trinity. If he looks downward, he's our high priest. So Jesus is unique that he's the fullness of the Father and the Holy Spirit. So if this is true, because again, there has to be something of a feminine aspect of God because he says, let us make them in our image, male and female. So I'm just putting forward this idea that maybe there's something here with the Holy Spirit that we don't really grasp. You know, when we think about God, the father in chapter one of Genesis laying out, you could say the teaching, you know, the Holy Spirit in chapter two in formation is showing perfect understanding, perfect comprehension as a perfect tandem. Hmm. which is very much what we see with the tandem between Adam and Eve. So Jesus, I'm saying, knows the importance of bringing female back. That Yeah, it's the bride referred, the church is referred as female, and there you can have obviously male and female members of a body. The collective term for the church typically is she, like in Ephesians 5.22. Mm-hmm. Okay, there is that truth. But I'm also arguing that Jesus knew the importance of bringing female back into the image of God because what happened in the beginning? Male and female separated by Satan. So you could say the image of God is separated. Okay, so it's not just bringing back the bride. It's bringing back the image of God. Do you think part of the reason that the church so is so hesitant to bring female into that close dynamic with male is because they want to they say they want to protect, you know, they want to protect the individuals from sinning or from becoming too close to another male or another female. They have like precautions and safeguards set up so people don't fall into sin. Yeah. I mean, they would say that, and I mean, you know, one, I would I'd just ask, has it worked? Right. <laughs> I mean, has it worked, yeah. you know, one? And two, are you sure you understand what you're doing? And are you, understand, are you sure you understand the um, implications of what you're doing? So a lot of times, this is what I see in the church. You have men's groups and you have uh, women's groups, okay? And it just seems to me it looks like this. So there's a guy teaching in the men's group, and then the guys are supposed to, quote, understand. You have this female that's teaching women, mm-hmm. but she's under the headship, quote, of, the, of a pastor or something, right? And then the female are showing understanding. Well, I would say we got a dynamic problem there. It's kind of like how we separate kids, you know, at a you know high school dance. You know, we got the guys over there, we got the girls over there, you know. And we got this chaperone kind of thing. Okay, well, if the guy is meant to teach, I mean, made in the image to teach, and the female is made to have understanding, then don't we have a dynamic problem? I mean, we've got a guy teaching, and then the guys are supposed to have understanding. Well, Hmm. like the disciples, they're not the best at it. Let's admit it. You have a female teaching, which really isn't supposed to be, according to Paul, that's not really the position of the female in that regard of teaching. But her understanding, her comprehension is profound and uniquely female. For example, in the beginning, Adam, I'm assuming, told Eve not to eat of it. Well, as she's getting deceived by Satan, she's already her understanding is already waning. It's mm-hmm. already because she says, "Well, we're not supposed to um, eat of it or touch it." But that's not what God said. That's not what Adam said. 
I also think that Satan beguiled her because hath the father said, well, what if it was Adam that told her? Right. All we hear is God telling Adam right. not to touch or That's not to right. eat it. That's right. So we don't know how crafty the snake is, but you you see that her understanding is off. It wasn't that you can't eat it or touch it. Okay. So we can see the effects of Satan's deceptions already, you know, at play. So the unique understanding of female is a receptive, responsive essence of God that goes in tandem, obviously, with teaching. Teaching, And then they would play off of each other, teaching, understanding. Well, like a dance. Like a dance. The responding, him leading, and then her responding to that. And like you just did. So here I'm teaching, and then you gave a perfect understanding response. You see how that creates a dance? It creates a dynamic, okay? And I'm saying that we see this... In um, chapter 1 and 2 of Genesis. And I also want to go to read what I think is one of the most profound passages in the Old Testament. Okay, and I want you to notice the pronoun. Here it's a personification of wisdom. I understand that, but maybe there's something more here. Proverbs 8, starting in verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. The first of his acts of old, ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways, hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Sound like uh, chapter one and two of Genesis. And here in this passage, wisdom is personified as she. Proverbs 8, verse 1, does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Uh, Verse 36, King James Version, but he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. Sinneth against me? Hmm. What do you... you Well, I mean, can you sin against wisdom? I mean, I suppose in a poetic way you can. But maybe there's... But not heeding to it or... Well, yeah, in that sense. But an interesting word, seneth. In other words, is this possible that this is the Spirit of God, mm-hmm. that wisdom and the Spirit right. of God are one It sounds personal. That's again. right. Well, something that you were talking about before was just to think that we haven't... Man hasn't always had the Holy Spirit, you know, Um. Indwelling, we, right, in that indwelling sense, right. in that way, and 
how, you know, when Jesus went back to heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And it's like, even now, it's hard because I feel like I'm still figuring this out. Mm -hmm. Like I'm still like, what's the missing link? Why do people so hesitate to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and be sensitive to, to call that, to see that role in a woman and that gift that she's been given in her uniqueness and the way that God made her and just not see it for what it is and yet and try to I don't know it just always seems like there's an agenda that's trying to be pushed well you know if Satan from the beginning knew that male and female Adam and Eve were in the image of God and he knows that there's something to that that that's going to be a image of Christ to the church then he knows that there's something at play that we can't really fathom Mm -hmm. so wouldn't he do everything in his effort to continue that marginalization of female that separation here in the body sense so in other words when Adam and Eve are there together, they are the first two humans formed, right? So they are the body of Christ, whether they know it or not. Okay, yeah. like we're all members of a body. There is no more Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free. In other words, not that we lose our identity, but we together make up this body of Jesus Christ. And I think that's something we don't think about with Adam and Eve. We think that that's just a picture of what like the perfect relationship would right. look like between like a married couple. Right. Not that it's an image of what we should be now of what the church should be, every male and female that's a believer. Right, right, exactly. That maybe there's something way more at play. The language is that um, the wedding feast of the Lamb, that we are married to Jesus, who's our head. There's a marriage of the head to the body. The body is comprised of male and female components. The separation of them and then the separation from the head was Satan's plan from the beginning. So wouldn't there be all kinds of deception and wouldn't there be all kinds of deceit to keep that separated, right? And that and that just reminded me of something. I think a lot, um, an argument that's often used is, well, that's true, but a woman should just have that Response and that role with her husband and with Jesus, but that's not the image. That's not the image of Christ to the church or the image of the bride as a whole. Is for a woman just to have, just to be in that role to her husband and to Jesus, right? Well, no, because I mean, Paul says, you know, flat out, he says um, it's not for everybody, but not. All are, he says, it's better not to get married. Right, so what if, what if you're not married? Right. Are you not in the image of right. God? Are we supposed to believe that the curse only applies to married women? If we take that literally, your desire will be for your husband, but he will be your master. Well, okay, so really, only if you're married, you're um, subjugated to a uh, fallen male? I don't think so. Look at this world. I mean, let's be honest, okay? Like, who has created the mess of this world in the fallenness overall? Has it really been women or has it been men? I mean, most of the time, who's the rapist? Who's the pedophile? Who's the violent one? I mean, who's the one who always has to rule and reign? Is, it, is that master not a male? Isn't it? 
true that throughout history, women and children are mostly the ones who have had to endure this mastering. So how could that be just for a married woman? Okay. There has to be, that has to be uh, symbolic. Yeah, you're exactly right. If that is what Satan was all about in the beginning, is dividing male and female and dividing us from our head, then there would be all the reason in the world to keep us continuing to be separated from uh, redemption. Uh, Male and female in the body of Christ, teaching, understanding, unique components between male and female, like a dance, under the headship of Jesus Christ. So how can men, I guess it just takes a desire to really know what the image of God is and to want that. But what would that really look like if it was playing out in the church today? Well, I think that we would have a more, we'd have a better comprehension, (laughs) understanding of God via the Holy Spirit. You know, like... Human history shows that we've rejected all aspects of God. We rejected the Father in the beginning. We rejected the Son. And I would say that overall, we've rejected the understanding and wisdom of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. that dwells inside of us. Mm -hmm. If, and I say if, again, the Hebrew pronoun for the Holy Spirit is female. I understand that Jesus called the Holy Spirit he. That could be a collective term. In fact, um, that word in Greek is a gender neutral term. Hmm. It's actually it, by the way. Okay. So if there's something that, you know, of a translation to different languages thing or a collective term, if we say for a moment that that's, I know God's neither male nor female spirit, but you get what I mean. Then if we are marginalizing the Holy Spirit, isn't that the trifecta? We rejected God, the father, we rejected the son, and we've rejected the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to bring you the Holy Spirit to bring you into all truth. You know, in other words, is, is God maybe saying like um, in human history, I'm the perfect teacher with my laws, my commands, my ways. Jo- uh, Jesus comes into the world that you could be born again of what spirit? Unless you are born again of spirit. And then how, Nicodemus says, how can you go back into the mother's womb? There we see the feminine imagery. Jesus is the transition point. He's the center of that X. He's the transition point where the Father is revealed and that we can understand the fullness of God. He goes back to the Father and brings us the Holy Spirit. He's the transition point. Is it possible that Jesus doing what he did with women is showing that he knows that the feminine aspect of Humanity is being marginalized, which is disrupting what it means to be in the image of God. No, they won't teach in that classic sense of teaching. Of course, Paul's, you know, male is meant to teach in that sense of teaching, but understanding and comprehension. Well, and women are trying to just create their own, like, maleness. Yes. Like, okay, well, the men get to teach, so let's let the women teach now to the women. And they're leaving behind, they're missing the whole point of encouraging that um, connection with the Holy Spirit. Yes. And if we're going to marginalize women and say, okay, well, let's keep the women away from the guys and all this kind of stuff. It's like, well, then where where is the understanding? Um, 
you know, that where's the, the understanding voice that comprehends on a way deeper level what the truth is all about. Uh, if maleness, God, the Father is teaching, wouldn't the Holy Spirit bring us in in this day and age to bring us into the comprehension of all the things as the Father has said? And Jesus would make the, he would be the bridge. And isn't he bridging something the way that he is with females? These are things are things that you know we can no longer just set aside because of human tradition and church tradi- tradition. I mean, I don't think that anybody can make the case that the church is healthy, that the body of Christ is healthy. I think that is a very mm. and a you know that would be a very hard argument to make. And again. Here's my challenge. I know people are like, you know, maybe thinking, oh, man, this is getting out there and all this kind of stuff. But Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, what this woman has done, and again, I would argue the woman is showing understanding. Mm -hmm. What this woman has done. Understanding of what Jesus was about to do. Yes, because she's purifying him for burial. Versus Peter, I'm not picking on Peter. He says, heaven forbid you go to the cross. Well, she's doing quite the opposite. She's preparing him. Okay, and also, who got the honor of seeing him first when he rose from the grade? Mary, Mary Mary Magdala. You think that's a coincidence? Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a coincidence at all. Back to the restoration of what it means to be male and female. If the church is unhealthy, if Jesus said that what this woman, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what this woman has done and remembrance me, I just want to put, I want to ask this question to the church then why aren't we remembering her when we preach the gospel? If we're healthy and we're a healthy body, male and female, then why are we not doing what Jesus said? And just to clear up, just to be very clear, how is the gospel directly correlated to what Mary did? How would you sum that up? Well, I mean, Jesus came... He took our punishment on the cross. He knew that the wages of sin is death. So he knew he must die for us, be crucified, buried, and raised again, right? That is the gospel, okay? Because we're sinners and the wages of sin is death, all right? That's a condition, a death sentence, okay? So what is she doing? Talk about perfect understanding comprehension. What is she doing? She's preparing for him for his what? Burial. Mm-hmm. She's preparing him for his burial. Now, I'm not saying that she fully comprehended, but she's certainly comprehending better than the disciples comprehended what it all means. She's comprehending with her heart. Mm. Okay. Which is the gospel, is the understanding and that faith. Yes. It's her comprehension of the gospel that um, this Adam, this new Adam, this last Adam must die on, quote, her behalf. If she represents the whole church, she gets it. He must die so she can live. What a perfect comprehension. And I'm saying that perfect comprehension and understanding is uniquely female. It is a unique characteristic of the image of God, I believe, related to the Holy Spirit, which brings us into all understanding and truth. And the unhealth of the church, I am going to say, is because of how we are basically helping out the enemy to keep male and female divided. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast to be insightful, please subscribe to our show and share with someone who would enjoy listening. And we look forward to meeting here with you again soon.